0: you are listening to the contemplative motherhood podcast my name is chelsea i'm a teacher practitioner spiritual director and pilgrim and i'm Erin, a creative homeschool educator counselor and spiritual seeker listen in as we dive deeper into the contemplative lifestyle through hearing about each of our lives you'll hear our triumphs failures practices and mistakes as we journey together you might even hear a kid or two in the background so grab some coffee, tea, curl up and take off your shoes. You are welcome here. Now let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Contemplative Child podcast, a extended version of the Contemplative Motherhood podcast. I am your host Erin Thomas. Thank you so much for being here with me. Today, gracious, it has been a bit of a while since I've been able to be here on this platform um, due to several illnesses in our family. So I'm just incredibly happy to be back here and with you guys today. Um, And so in case you're confused, and this is your first episode of The Contemplative Child, and wondering why you're hearing the Contemplative Child, and not the Contemplative Motherhood podcast, um, let me clue you in just a little bit. You are still in the right place. While my co-host Chelsea Whipple finishes up some of her doctoral work, I am here sharing a bit about what the contemplative lifestyle may look like through a childhood lens. So this is our third episode, and we've gone through a couple of um, primarily- Contemplative lifestyle basics and how that applies to the childhood lens. Now, that's basically a huge topic, um, but we don't like to shy away from large subjects here just because they are intimidating, right? (laughs) So, I want to tell you that many of the practices that we shared on our first season of the Contemplative Motherhood podcast. Um, have provided a really great framework for sharing content directly related to contemplative practices and spiritual formation in children. So just take a sidebar here with me, and let's acknowledge that in general, spiritual formation in children can feel, like I said, an incredibly daunting subject matter. I am a parent of young children myself, and I'm pretty keenly aware of the fact that many times we feel often like we're on autopilot mode. We may be shifting from one day to the next and attempting to keep the car fueled and running, metaphorically speaking, um, or physically speaking. So it's hard to point out um, that the inside of the car or our inner work needs maintenance and attendance. Um, I mean, how many of us notice if there's an eight-course meal on our floor after a week of extracurricular activities? I can't be the only one with stale french fries on the floor. And admittedly, I have seasons that are just like this, Um, so don't be discouraged if that is you, my friend. Trust me, many of us have been or are in that season right now. But just the other day, I was texting back and forth with a friend about how I think things have changed in perspective for our family. There were there are still days that I feel like my ears may be bleeding <laughs> on some occasion and so the idea that any contemplative practice could apply in childhood seems just preposterous <laughs> to a lot of people. And I get it. Um but I want to kind of just affirm you in the sense that there are seasons in parenting in which we find ourselves attempting just the basics, right? Or running on survival mode. And there may be many reasons as to why that happens. For example, pandemic parenting. That was a pretty survival mode parenting um, in the sense that we were in a new territory that we had not been in before. Um, This also applies to just stressful time periods, whether it's a job change or a move. um, We have to sort of calculate those things into understanding when it's time or when it's a good time to begin a new spiritual practice and when it's not. So don't worry, we're not going to have super high expectations if you are in that season. But Hear me say this in particular, if that is you, if you find yourself in a post-pandemic parenting stressful time period or stressful time in life in general, this adds to our fight or flight response even in our parenting tactics. And unfortunately, this can kind of cause some disconnect and often dysregulated parenting. To parent with intention, we must be mindful of where our own spiritual growth and internal work lies for us. And it may mean that we take time to reevaluate our schedule and our priorities before we assess our children and our family. So, just getting back to the basic point is that if we're honest with ourselves, we can be we can very well be a parental product of our consumer driven society right this is just something mass consumption is something that occurs around us all the time especially if you live in the united states frankly i have coached parents professionally myself and i i'll tell you i think that our consumer driven society has not made this easy spiritual development or spiritual formation Um, doing inner work, doing inner healing, our society hasn't made this easy on us um, because we are often driven by the next greatest thing we need to do or buy or be. So while oftentimes we know that spiritual formation exercises or the implementation of mindfulness in children could benefit them, we can be easily distracted by the need to check a plethora of boxes such as the education box, the extracurricular box, the community engagement box, the neighborhood box. Add in pretty much 45 other boxes and you have a pretty typical American family. But I think we need to ask ourselves sometimes why this is true and If we are allowing margin in our life, some of the reasons that we may sort of be driven by this consumeristic parenting is that we may be checking boxes to keep up with the Joneses, whoever they are, no one really knows. (laughs) Or maybe it's out of worry about our child's successful life income and outcome. We want them to have this picturesque life. In adulthood, that maybe we didn't have. And some, so we can go as far as to say that sometimes we work tirelessly for our children so that they have what we feel we did not have in our childhood. And so I say that because it's important for us to ask ourselves this on a regular basis where our desires lie. We know factually that many of our parenting is a direct result of our own childhood experiences. If you feel overwhelmed by this sort of evaluation, I encourage you to sit with it for a while and determine if this is something you need to explore further in your own inner work. So activities are sort of a great example of our um, busy, hurried lifestyle in parenting, right? Activities are just something that we do. We sign up for all the things um, for many internally motivating reasons in parenting, right, um, maybe it just sounded fun at the time, or maybe we have hope that this is our kid's sport, or this is their their thing. We found their thing. And so I found in my own personal experience, even as a parent of a two young children, that we can fill our schedules full of supposedly meaningful activities with great intentions, right? But when we mash together these meaningful activities, they lose their quality focused. Then in a snowball effect, the hurried lifestyle morphs into a more dysregulated circus of running around from activity to activity, coming home with our children and realizing that we aren't sure even what happened or if we had a conversation that day. And so... If this is you, I encourage you. press the pause button, so let's just dig into that a little bit deeper. My friends, I want to encourage you, and I gently speak this to you with so much understanding through mistakes of my own that often our to-do lists as parents are reflections of our own desires for our children's resumes, or a reflection of our egos. Rather than a genuine heartfelt desire for connection, presence, and spiritual opportunity and growth. Now, don't hear me wrong. I am not accusatory in any sense, only sharing where I have been, and that sometimes this is just a really good checkpoint for our ego. So, how do we change this? We know maybe perhaps what our challenge is. But what do we do from here? We have to create margin. Room. Space. Anchored peace. Our intentional act as parents is to mindfully and genuinely create margin, both in and outside of our home, for our children's soul care. And practically speaking, this looks like bringing spiritual practices into our children's everyday lives. It may include other things, but for right now, we're going to focus on what it looks like to bring spiritual practices into our children's everyday lives. So how do we do this? You're asking, right? How do we enlist the children in times of silence? First of all, I I totally know what you're going to say. I hear you guys now. Erin, you've lost your mind. There's no way I can get my child to do this in our home. I There's no quiet ever in our home at all whatsoever, um, much less in a different setting. Let me just tell you, I get it, okay? I joke around with our family that we are all cartoon characters and that you may get the Tasmanian Devil and Minnie and Mickey Mouse and... Um, gracious knows who else in a span of 24 hours. So let me tell you that in the Thomas home, there is not a ton of quiet. And I also say I consider my children very enthusiastic talkers. (laughs) That's a delightful, lovely way of saying they talk a lot. On top of that, we homeschool. Um, and so if you haven't followed us for a while, that is part of our lifestyle, There is very little quiet, even in the daytime hours, and so I want us to be realistic here. The goal is not perfection. The goal is intentional spiritual development and connection. So I want to give you just a few steps, because I think that will be really helpful. Number one. Step one is simple, so don't get intimidated by the idea of the practice of silence, okay? the practice of silence, quiet, listening. Don't get intimidated by the idea of the practice of silence, but rather incorporate it into anchors that are already present within your day. If you aren't sure where those anchors are, it could take some evaluation. And so I encourage you to check out the prior episode on rhythms and routines with our children. You can easily look through your day and find opportunities if you look hard enough. Um, It's just knowing exactly what to look for. And so we unpack that in our prior episode, and I encourage you to go and listen to that after this. But going back to our steps, step two is to determine if there's margin at all in your schedule. And what do I mean by that? Space to do nothing or something. And To be honest with you guys, I talk with families a lot, and I do a lot of counseling and parent coaching, and this is a real concern. It's a real concern and a real problem for a lot of parents, so I think it's okay for us to admit that and to be honest with ourselves about if we need all of these activities um, and what we're accomplishing with these activities, are they genuinely benefiting your child And your family. Um, And really, only you can define that. I know that a lot of our social kiddos can convince us that they need 10,000 activities in one week, right? They love to play and explore in the early years prior to adolescence. And how many adolescents, teenagers, do you know that have the desire to be with their friends more than their family? I think that may be a fair amount of you. But remember, if there aren't margins, there's just simply not a ton of room for spiritual development or spiritual practice. And so we have to find this. So step three is finding the space of margin and discussing what silence may look like with our children. And more importantly, why it's done. The spiritual practice of silence seems like an oxymoron for children, right? Just like The polar opposite of anything that we could expect, um, well, sort of depending on where you are in your child's years and development. So finding this margin and discussing what silence as a spiritual practice looks like with your children is really important. But more than just that, it's important to discuss why it's done. Why are we looking to practice silence in our day? So discuss your expectations and make them realistic for your family and specifically for your child. Step four, as kind of an overflow of step three, try and start small. And then increase your time in increments, small increments. It's important to be mindful of your child's temperament personality, and stage of development. Like these are all incredibly important influencers, guys. If we are not mindful of exactly what child we are working with and where expectations lie for that child, allow them to have that input. Remember, this is something that we want to empower and encourage them in in their own lives. So make this a partnership effort. Finally step 5 is debrief and allow further time for spiritual expression. And this is this could be a little bit of a confusing step. So let me unpack that a little bit for you. Discuss with your child what this practice is encouraging them to do. What is silence encouraging them to do? And have a dialogue with them about being present and mindful of their emotions during this spiritual practice. I want to tell you, it's not super uncommon to feel uncomfortable at first. I mean, if we've done this as an adult, we even know that silence, (laughs) I don't know if anyone's done a silent retreat, it can be really uncomfortable to be alone with yourself and your thoughts, right? Um, And children are no different. So, a debriefing is just an incredibly important part of uh, further integrating this into their, their lives and spiritual formation. See if this is something that they're uncomfortable with. If it is, let's talk about why we're uncomfortable with it. Um, this allows them to understand what it means to be present and mindful of their emotions. But in an encouraging way, I have found that one of the greatest things that silence does for my children is recharge. And by that, I mean they feel inspired oftentimes after they are alone with their thoughts, after they have done sacred listening time. And so I often ask them if they're inspired to do something else as a result of Having this time. So, for example, it could be that they feel drawn to exploring nature after a time of silence and hearing the birds. Or it could be they feel inspired following their silence to draw or paint on a canvas or to pray for someone because of an image they remembered in their mind. Um, Maybe they went back to a story that they were uh, replaying. Maybe it inspires them to write in their journal or read. And so the point of this particular step is to express to your children that this time is sacred time. And sacred time is that of connection to ourselves and to the divine, our God. And know that even though this feels small and insignificant sometimes, and in fact, I'll admit, it even can often feel silly when we're first beginning to attempt Periods of silence and the spiritual discipline of silence with our children. Um, But as this practice grows, I want you to know that this is the beginning of mindfulness. This is the beginning of supporting your child in an effort to get in touch with their hearts, to get in touch with their heart center. This is a foundational principle in teaching our children how to practice the art of listening, listening to others, and listening to the divine. And this is the soft and gentle beginning for our children. So, this week, even if you feel uncomfortable and silly and just not sure if you can do this, spend five minutes discussing. This practice with your child. Talk to them about what the spiritual practice of silence is and what it might look like. Then brainstorm, write out some specifics and when talking with your child or children about the desire for a small time practicing this silence. And then make it a priority to do this Two times a week. Just start with two times this week. And it can be as little as for our little ones, it may be 60 seconds. For our big ones, it may be five minutes. So you determine and use your gut as a parent for how exactly to gauge this for your children. But try with small time increments practicing silence and make it a priority to do it two times This two times this week. Again, another quote from one of my favorite educators, Maria Montessori. When the children have become acquainted with silence, they walk lightly. These children are serving their spirits. Thank you again for joining me on another episode of The Contemplative Child. I am super excited that you are here today, and I look forward to dialoguing with you and hearing about your experiences with your children. And please, as always, don't ever hesitate to share the funny parts. I am excited to continue on in this season. We have one final episode of The Contemplative Child, and then we will be moving on to Season 2 of The Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you again for joining us today on The Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. With us, your hosts, Aaron Thomas and Chelsea Whipple. To get regular updates on our podcast, hear new episode drops, interact with us about past and future episodes, and find our show notes, make sure to go to our website, www.contemplativemotherhood.org. As always, we appreciate your support of this podcast and in helping us share our journey with others. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe Rate and leave us a review. This helps us to cross paths with other pilgrim mamas across the board. So until next time.